Hi everyone, welcome to the first five years. This is Agassi at Clemson University, coming at you from at least six feet away. Hi friends, this is Erica, AD of the Match and Florida Opportunity Scholars Program at UF. We've missed you, sweet little angels. Hope everyone's doing okay. I know, I know Erica and I have been checking in on each other quite a bit. Some FaceTime calls, right? Daily, multiple times a day, Daily, a whole lot. Right? We're here to check on y'all too. <laughs> um, so welcome to our special micro moments of the first five years. For your benefit, we thought we could kind of read all the suggestions we had for naming this special series before we landed on micro moments. Um, so mini moments, bebe moments, or bebe episodes, a la Schitt's Creek, mini moments, small talks, big moments, little sods, and we ended on micro moments, but jury's still out, I think. We just wanted to introduce you all to the creative process behind the first five years. <laughs> so we know that we're currently navigating an uncertain future and it's important to acknowledge that. It's easy, it's easy for us to focus on everything we don't have or can't do or the traditions on our campuses that are not gonna happen the way they normally do. These are challenging times for us all. Because of this, we wanted to take a few episodes to talk with student affairs and higher education professionals about the moments in their lives that have really mattered. At the end of the day, we still have the power to innovate, adapt, and reimagine how we connect to our students and to one another. We hope that these stories will help folks see that there are still more beautiful moments ahead, even if we can't totally see an end in sight just yet. Well, we're excited today for micro moments of the first five years to give you a little glimpse into what keeps us going. Uh, today, we are thrilled to be joined by Dr. Tim Miller, who currently serves as the Vice President of Student Affairs at James Madison University. Tim is a two-time graduate of JMU and holds a doctorate from the George Washington University. Previously, Tim served in a variety of roles at GW, but most recently as the Associate Dean of Students for the Center for Student Engagement. Tim's partner, Jamie, is also a graduate of JMU and a former president of the Alumni Association. Appropriate for a couple of through and through JMU people, Jim and, Jamie and Tim have a dog named Duke. Th Tim, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your best essay moments. <laughs> Welcome. Exactly. I'm excited to be here. We're thrilled to have you. I want to see pictures of the dog, but we can do that off recording. Yeah, we could do that off screen. We, could, <laughs> we definitely want to see pictures of the dog. That is much needed content. If it's also on your social media, feel free to tell us that too. You'll see pictures yeah. of our my animals. I have, I have no animals. Just rub it in. <laughs> well, we're thrilled to have you bright and early 9.06 a.m. on a, I don't know what day it is, I think Wednesday. It is but, a Wednesday. Thank you, Agassi. It's, the days run together, but we're excited for you to give us a little more insight into kind of, I mean, we asked you the question, what has been the best student moment of your career? We're super thrilled to hear that. Uh, so tell us more. Um, so I, I thought about this question ahead of time and I really struggled because I, I getting it to a student moment seemed really hard for me. Um, so I may break your rules and do more than one student moment. We'll see if you allow that or not. I don't know what, I don't know how strict, you don't seem too big on the rules, so it feels like that'll be okay. Um, yeah, you I, do you. Okay, yeah, do you. in a really nice way. Uh, so I, I think that it's hard because there's the moments when I think we create for our students and there's the moments when they create for you and the best moments for you are when those exist simultaneously. So I think, um, I know Miles gave me a sneak peek of something that he talked about. I think there are so many different 
things I can think of, but the one that sort of came to me the most was um, the creation of a food pantry at my last institution um, called The Store. And it's interesting because I'm sure many of the stories that you hear will be undergraduate student stories, but this is actually a graduate student story. Um, we had a graduate student who didn't even work for us. He was just at the university and was on the Student Association Senate. And he had read this article in the Chronicle or, and then another one in the Atlantic and basically that students um, were dealing with food insecurity on college campuses. And um, he came to lots of different people to see, you know, if we could do something about this, that this must be a problem at GW. And everyone blew him off, uh, including me. Uh, I was like, it's George Washington University, you know what it costs to go here? Of course, no one here has this problem. Um, my boss blew him off. Like everywhere he went, people blew him off. But Max um, had, no, had no tolerance for that. And he just kept going and kept pushing. And um, I knew how serious he was when suddenly I was being invited to a meeting at the president's home because he had gotten in touch with the president's wife. Uh, and she had bought into this concept and said, yeah, and because she actually had a nutritionist background. Um, and she was like, yeah, we need to talk about this. This is a big deal on college campuses. And, and she didn't know if it was yet. She just assumed it was because if it's, to me, everything that's in society is also in colleges, uh, just at different levels, sometimes higher levels, sometimes lower. But Max sort of got this meeting at the president's office, the president's home. Um, and I thought, well, okay, I bet I should probably go to this and went and the uh, president's wife at the end, um, Ms. Knapp was hilarious. She goes, well, we should just do this. Like, let's just do a food pantry. I mean, I guess when you're in the president's home and you're um, connected to the president or you're the president, you just think things just happen. Uh, and Max was like, you're right, we should just do this. And I was like, oh God, this is totally gonna become my job. Um, and I just remember thinking, all right, I guess I got to figure out how to create a food pantry because Diane Knapp just said you should have a food pantry. Um, and I didn't even know how you say no to the president's wife anyway. Like, I don't even know what the protocol is for that. So even if I'd wanted to, I wouldn't have known how and kept my job. So I walked out of that meeting a little frustrated because I felt like I'd already handled this. I told Max this wasn't a big deal. Let it go. Uh, he didn't listen to me. I'm not used to that. Um, so I went back to my office and I honestly just started doing some research and, um, the Hope Center was a great resource, uh, which is the, they do a lot of this research on food insecurity, um, found out that their founder was actually a, G a GW alum. Um, so really just all these connections started to happen. And then I connected to Claire Katie, who's one of the people very involved in this and one of the leaders of the food pantry movement. And then honestly, I looked at my student assistant and I said, Katie, I don't, I don't know if I have time to figure this out right now. Can you just go out and figure out what creating a food pantry would look like? And she spent the next four months just working on this, creating her first ever program proposal um, and going through all the steps that you would go through. And I was obviously with her and helping her the whole time. But really between Max and Katie, they really made this thing happen and now uh, I think the store at GW is in its third or fourth year, um, serving over, I think, 600 students a year. Uh, and then just recently, we ended up getting a huge gift from two sets of donors uh, to endow it so that they'll now have money forever. So they'll have, I think based on the gift, I think they'll have between five and $10,000 every single year to buy food. And 
and I look back on that and it sort of reminds me that you never know where the ideas are going to come from. I mean, he was this random kid, Max Gokala, now Max Gokala Nguyen. Um, I'd never heard of him before. I hadn't really interacted with him. He showed up in my office and said, you should care about this. My boss had already told him no. I told him no. I shut him down. I didn't actually shut him down. He went where you need to go next when you get shut down uh, by honestly some not, in the moment, I think not caring administrators. And I, I learned a great lesson from Max is that every student deserves our time and deserves us to go a little deeper into whatever they say is the problem or is their need or is the problem of the world that they think they should fix. And then the second lesson was there's no, there's no limit to what one person can accomplish. Uh, when I look at what Katie did, Katie's now a law student at uh, Notre Dame. You know, Katie created a food pantry um, and really did all the work and people on the back, I'm like, oh my God, Tim, you're so amazing, you're so great. I'm like, do you realize that I shut this thing down um, and it wasn't until someone wouldn't give up that this happened. Like, I'm not the reason why we have it, Max and Katie. And then we then put another group of students who created a student org um, that they wanted to call the cupboard. Uh, they just thought it was fun, store, cupboard, food pantry. Um, the cupboard then really took it and ran with it from there. And while I think, you know, a few staff members, um, Colleen and Brittany and, and Miles had a role and so many of us had roles in this, you know, this really started from students serving students. And I think that our lives are better and our students' lives are better sometimes when we just get out of the way and give them what they need and support them in creating what the community needs. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I remember just thinking, this is totally not what I expected my year, my next year, my next year after that being, um, but if you just listen to your students, amazing things can happen. And I think about, you know, I ended up presenting at NASP on this a couple of times at some other conferences on this, connecting with people that, some of the most impressive people on the planet. Um, and it's all because of those students and their passion for this. And I think about now, um, when I think about the students whose lives are better because of that one student's perseverance and then the other student's work ethic to get this done, um, lives are better because of that. And I think lives are better because we didn't, we weren't allowed, they didn't allow themselves to be ignored. Um, and I just, there's so many stories like that. I think um, I'll just do one other quick one uh, that may tie, tie back to something that Miles had talked about. I remember, I feel like I spent my career at, at GW um, being the guy who said yes to students when they brought ideas. And I think that was also a lesson to me at the end of my time there when I originally said no to the food pantry concept and the food insecurity that I had hardened a little and I think I had to soften a bit. And I think that's also when you know you might need to move to your next thing. And that's, um, I think while I'm very proud of the work that was done with the food pantry, I also realized that I had hardened a bit to who I was and what we're supposed to be in the field. Uh, because I said no to something that I think a year or two or three earlier, I would have said, yeah, let's figure this out. Uh, and so I go back to early in my career, I was in charge of community service at GW and um, we had a student who, um, Aviva, who was working, uh, had been a volunteer leader for our outdoor program. And she had said, you know what, this program we have is just five days before classes start. And we need more than that. The students' connections to the outdoors, the impact of working the outdoors, the impact of those activities, especially for uh, embedded in the city school like GW, is too strong to only let it be for five days a year. 
And she really challenged a lot of people to say, we should have something else. This should be year round. This should be all the time. And Aviva didn't, didn't back down. And uh, she actually went to the vice president and said, I need you to give me money so I can do this. And he was like, well, I, mean, I just can't give a student money and just say, go ahead, figure this out. You know, is there someone on administration who's willing to help you? And I had met her once or twice and she just stopped by my office and said, will you help me do this? And I was like, absolutely. This is not even a, you know, a question to me that we would do this. And although I've always loved the outdoors, I was sort of a failed boy scout. I sort of quit. I got my air of light as a cub scout and I'm like, there's too much structure and weird uniforms and stuff like that. I'm no, no disrespect. I think it's great for those that it works for. But for me, it was like, you know, I was starting to listen to heavy metal. I wanted to grow my hair out. There was like a rule about where your hair could go. That's funnier now if you're watching me because I have no hair. Um, but like the mullet game was getting stronger and I didn't want to really get in the way of that. And, and I knew Boy Scouts would have really in, infringed on the ability to really get the full mullet going um, in that sort of late 80s time period uh, when it was what everyone was doing. I just want to know uh, for those that weren't around. Um, so anyway, so I never really fully embraced my love of the outdoors in sort of those ways. But I also remember in fifth grade, we had that, what are you going to do with the rest of your life test that you had to take that, you know, all your aptitudes and all those kinds of things. I'm sure it was very scientific. Um, but I was a park ranger, like my future job in the world was park ranger. Um, so yeah. Um, so I guess I was reliving my fifth grade desire to be a park ranger. And I said yes to Aviva. And the next thing I know, um, we were sitting in a ballroom trying to come up with what the name of this thing was going to be. And I mean, you name every acronym. I mean, if you imagine like the acronym soup of student affairs, imagine sitting in a room for two and a half hours with a bunch of college students and administrators trying to figure out how to talk about outdoors and education and activity and all this and making it into an acronym. And for whatever reason, that was the sole goal of the first meeting was to have a name of this thing that had to also be an acronym. And, and GW Trails was born in that room, um, teaching recreation and activity, I think it's still called activity, incorporating leadership and service. And it was just such a funny thing because it was just this one student with an idea. Uh, and I feel like my whole life is one student with an idea. When I was part of uh, helping to form the LGBTQ Resource Center at GW, it was one person with an idea. Um, and I think that Again, I go back to the day I stopped listening to one person with an idea is time to either end my career or change jobs because uh, I think you've hardened to that. And I think that those, and if you think about what Trails has done and the impact it's had on so many lives. And I've often said there are more students that have stayed at GW because of Trails than because of almost any other activity offered on that campus. Uh, international students that didn't fit in, they're going on trips. Um, student, I always called them the Wyomings and Montanas and Dakotas kids that came to DC for the city experience but didn't think they were going to have to you know not ever see running water that wasn't from a sink or you know rocks again and trails gave them that and gave them that opportunity to be outdoors and and to love the outdoors and be in those spaces and and I just the number of students that I can think back to and the relationships I still have are from the students whose lives were changed positively because of those experiences and I think about like I'm still writing references from trail students uh, I've been I've been at GW now or JMU now almost two years. Uh, I'm still writing references for students from the store from the food pantry. Uh, I'm still connected to them. I've you know I think I've been to at least one Trails wedding at this point. Um, you know I think 
those things are just our reality is that you get to be a part of people's lives. And uh, last thing I'll say, and then I'll stop and see um, what you all want to talk about beyond that is I had a former president um, at GW, President Trachtenberg, who at orientation every year used to say, college is not the best four years of your life. And he was that kind of a gregarious guy that he would like let that sit in the air for a little while uh, at this thing where we're trying to make them want to go there uh, and just sort of say college is not the best four years of your life and just let them sort of deal with that for a little while. And he said, if it is, then that's a pretty depressing rest of your life. And that instead college prepares you for the next best four years of your life and the next best four years after that, next best four years after that, that we're creating a foundation upon which our students can build their best lives. And, you know, I've really just, I've seen that to be true. And I take that responsibility very, very seriously that we have this experience and this opportunity to be part of people's lives at such a formative time. And you've got to hear them and you've got to listen to them and you've got to make room for them to have great ideas and terrible ideas and life altering ideas and huge, massive mistakes. Um, and I think that when we close ourselves off to that, I think we've missed the mark. Um, but I, I feel very pr privileged to have been part of so many of students' ideas that became realities that served other students. Um, so those are two sort of off the top of my head ideas and thoughts on, um, on moments that I think have, I, I know have changed my life and hopefully have changed others as well. Those were beautiful. I didn't shed a tear, but I've already cried today. So that's, no, no. that's not on you. <laughs> not, not a problem. I, I didn't feel a little pressure, but you know, I thought these are just authentic stories. If they work on you, then great. If not, so be no, it. No, they're beautiful. Absolutely well, beautiful. I mean, I'll admit that I definitely teared up quite, uh, quite a little bit. I think just from the overall message. I mean, I have to say, I, I, I very much appreciate that someone I think at your level is is willing to. I think in a public, you know, recorded setting, admit that like I messed up. Like. Students came to me, they wanted to do this. I said no, other people said no, we all said no, and they still persevered. Like, I mean, I, I, I think about what you're talking about and like where the ideas come from and where these things come from and just this idea that like one person can like create a movement. I mean, I, I immediately think back to my own undergraduate experience. We had a, a, a physical space, a house, uh, we called it La Casita, um, where the Institute of Hispanic Latino Cultures was housed and that space was acquired by students and fought for by students um, against administration because at that time administrators were like no that space has to be used for other things so I mean exactly what you're talking about because that that space changed my life that was where I went almost every day during my undergraduate experience where I met with my friends um, where I met with Erica you know uh, right across from the Chipotle funny enough so it's That's like great. You don't know where La Casita is it's right next to Chipotle so get your Mexican food and come on over right. uh, I mean, definitely benefited from, you know, students pushing, you know, pushing the boundaries of what we can do and about trying to get them to the yes. That's something my, someone in my graduate school used to always say was, our job is not to say no, our job is to help them get to the yes. And well, that means how can they get there safely? How can they get there, like, you know, well? Um, so I definitely resonate with the, what you were talking about. And I appreciate you uh, being so transparent about that. Well, I do think, I mean, it's an interesting thing because sometimes the answer is no, but that shouldn't be where you start. And, you know, I've had a, I, I think of other examples where students have come and, and I've helped them think through and talk through. And, and I remember at the end saying to them, this is really just not a good idea. And, and it wasn't like the administration says so. I'm like, here's why this is just not a good idea. I mean, I had a student who was trying to create something that duplicated badly 
work that was already being done. I mean, if you're improving it, let's figure this out. But you're actually doing a worse job than what's already happening. <laughs> but you just want to create this because you want to be famous. And that's just not the point. Mm -hmm. um, your only purpose as a student in creating something is to become famous or well-known or win an election or whatever. That's really not the point of this. So I think the problem is we've got to figure out when is the no appropriate? Because I also don't think telling students yes to everything is, is the goal. Either. Absolutely not. Yeah. And I've, I know it's interesting. I have had a different perspective since I've come here than I think some of the previous culture here where I've sort of forced us to sort of consider some things and that has not always been warmed to by folks. Um, but I think we've got to hear them and then help them. And I think that sometimes you help them to know that what they want to do and where they want to go is not the right place. Sometimes you got to hear them and help them understand that what they want to do is totally what we should be doing. We can't do it yet. And sometimes you got to hear them and help them get it done immediately. Uh, and I think knowing which it is, I think is really important. And stuff that comes with, with time in the field. I think I don't, you know, that's not something that was concretely taught in grad school. Not to, you know, tie this too much back to the mission of our podcast, but it is for, you know, new professionals. And one thing that I love that you kept saying that I think is so, so, so true. And for our new professionals listening, I think this is something to take away is when you do feel like you're getting hardened, that's a good cue that it's time to change. And I think that is, I've not heard that before. I'm not, to my boss, Leslie, I'm not saying I'm leaving right now. I'm not taking that, but I think it's such a, a good tidbit out of all of this is how, and we talked about this on another episode, but what, what we learn from our students and sometimes we learn that we've done We've done as much as we can and when i start telling you no and not listening then that might be that i need to make a change and i'm i'm definitely gonna consider that a really good piece of advice yeah and that's i mean some of that really comes from and i'm not hawking my dissertation but i think from my dissertation work when i studied the 10 years of university presidents and how they change over time in their tenure and at the end they sort of in that dysfunction stage where they're very focused externally uh, you know, it's usually notice it because they're either writing a book or they're on a couple boards or they've done these things that are not focused on the institution. Uh, they listen to less people and then the people that they listen to only give them this much information because they only want to give them what they want to hear. And that's not just presidents, that's all of us. And I think as we notice ourselves taking in less information from less people, becoming more interested in all the things that aren't actually what our job is and those types of things, I think we've got to start asking questions of, is the problem me or is the problem the place? And I guarantee most of the time it's you. Uh, and the other problem is that no one's gonna tell you that because all the people that work for you benefit from your existence in that place. So no one's gonna tell you, it's kind of, kind of time to go because when they tell you that, they might have to go too. Uh, so there's a lack of honesty in that because who wants to get rid of their own job just to make their boss be better? Wow. It's kind of like when a Netflix show has really run its course and you're like, all right, this last season got away from us. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. why did you make this pivot like you're not focusing on the same things as a new writer it, it's not a great analogy but I think well, that's I mean, well back in my day that was called jumping the shark um okay. which i don't know if anyone calls it that anymore because that was a reference to happy days that no one really remembers happy days anymore but there was an episode where fonzie the main character jumped a shark tank on his motorcycle uh like they were so struggling for actual relevant storylines that that became a story what was that he was going to take the dangerous thing and jump his motorcycle over a shark tank and that's jumping the shark is now what at least in my day that's what we called when a show had gone too far um yeah i'm gonna lock that one in yeah i've never 
Yeah. 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 I'll be yeah. honest. That's a good one though. Yeah. That's old guy knowledge there for you. <laughs> I remember watching that episode and thinking, even as a very young child thinking, why is this a thing? Cause at that point I thought TV was real. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I think no offense, but like, there are a lot of shows that I think just have been on too long. I mean, I haven't watched Grey's Anatomy in a long time. No offense for those that are still there. Yes, just, it's time to go. I mean, some point. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, uh, Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes is one of my favorite books. But oh, so good. It's gone too far. Great book. Great book, by the way. If anyone's looking for a book or if Shonda Rhimes wants to sponsor this episode. Yes, Shonda Rhimes, yes, give that one a try. I learned about that actually at NASPA, that book. I was at a session and someone talked about it um, and I read it the next, I was actually living a year of yes without knowing I was Shonda-ing my life. Uh, I love it. Yeah. And then after I read it, I'm like, I just did, I just did this without knowing that I was living like Shonda Rhimes. I never knew my life was that good. <laughs> I just okay, wrote that book. Great. It's a really good book. book. I'll mail it to you, Agassi. I have a copy. Send it, send it to in the mail. Interlibrary yeah. loan happening right, right in front of everybody. Right in front of all of us. <laughs> I would say, Agassi, if you're a journaler, there's also a year of yes journal <gasps> that sort of takes you through every day of the year where you can write about certain things or whatever. So just, again, she should sponsor this because I think I just sold a couple items for her. You, you did. Shonda, let us know. Or Netflix. We'll take either. We have a couple of sponsorship uh, sponsors in the queue right now. Uh, we're waiting for, to hear back from Bon Appetit's people. Uh, we sent some feelers out. We're waiting to hear back from Bon Appetit. Now we have Shonda Rhimes, <laughs> Netflix. And Chipotle. Chipotle, Chipotle earlier. And Chipotle. Chipotle. There you go. Look. See, but now you got to record these at noon. If you had, I would have held up like my Chipotle and said, I love doing recordings with Chipotle. <laughs> Um, you know, that, really that crunch, that's the sound of my lime chips. Right. I always love like a podcast transitions. Right. Like yeah. Sponsorship I on it. The, what is it? The American Idol? I could have had the Coke bottle or whatever up. And <laughs> the Dunkin'. No, now it's the, the Lipton. I think they're Lipton. It's the Lipton iced teacups. Uh, it was mm -hmm. Dunkin' before. No, Dunkin' was a, uh, um, oh my God, what's the one with the X's? Um, uh, yeah. Um, mm. Yep. Mm, yep. It's the. Um, yep. Got talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got talent. Yes, yes, that one, that one. America's Got Talent, that one. They used to have all the cups. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if you'll see this, but I feel like this episode's brought to you by Harris Teeter Hand Sanitizer. <laughs> love it. Oh, I love a good Harris Teeter. We do love Harris Teeter. Uh, Great grocery uh, store. Harris Teeter sponsor us. I have filled this up several times with other people's hand sanitizer. I just like the small bottle, so. Yeah, convenient. Yeah. Take it with you. We love it. Plus, I'm afraid I'll get mugged next time someone sees me with this because, you know, everyone wants this stuff right now. I'm going to send you positive vibes that um, you're able to hold on to your sanitizer. Yeah, I hope so too. I don't, I don't use it in public. I wait until I'm in my car and then I use it. Just there you so go. Good. So. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. Do you want to plug any social media? So I have the same handle on all my platforms, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I am at Jamie Miller. Um, I actually created a Dr. Tim Miller sort of brand page for Facebook uh, when I got this job, just because I wanted to connect with parents through that versus my personal page. Mm -hmm. um, interesting, I find all my parent contact is Facebook, all my student contact is Instagram, and all my alumni contact is Twitter. Huh, that 
kind of siloed itself off well. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some creepy sort of in-betweens, but mostly that's sort of how they've spread out. So, yeah, a lot of parents on Facebook. Well, we will certainly add you and encourage others to do so. I'll but thank you. <laughs> oh, you follow back. That's a good, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good quality to have. It's, it's really sad when people don't follow you back and you're like, wow, I thought we had this you know, connection. <laughs> Well, and I learned this year, and I know for over time, but I learned this year that you're not supposed to follow students on Instagram if they're private, because if you ask as an administrator, that's creepy. So mm -hmm. I only follow my students on Instagram if they follow me first and they're public. Same. Uh, yeah. So we're learning yeah. a lot of the, the, you know, tips from the top, as we'll call I mean, them. That, that was a hard one, because I, I had a student say, my friends, you tried to follow them on Instagram, and they're private, and they thought that was a little weird. I'm like, all right, well, they followed me. I was trying to be respectful and follow back. Uh, I'm like, yeah, that's not how it works. The rules <laughs> these days, I can't keep track. We're all getting to uh, the hardest part about student affairs, and then we can end it, is we continue to age and our students stay the same age. Yes, that's a nicer way of saying it than um, that, that <laughs> movie, um, where it was creepy, Matthew McConaughey. Um, I can't remember the name of the movie now, but um, where he, the one where he did all right, all right, all right, all right. Every, every movie at this point for him. <laughs> <laughs> he said something like that, but it was creepy about um, high school girls. So your version is Dazed and Confused. Yeah, classic movie. But yes, you had a much nicer way of saying that than creepy Matthew McConaughey did in the movie. <laughs> you know, happy to help Matthew sponsor us. Yeah. For all the uh, listening, uh, Erica is better than Matthew McConaughey. It has been stated in this podcast, thus it is true. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> not talking about the age of students to date them she's just using it oh as a god absolutely not no 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 <laughs> right I, I'm, I'm on tiktok and snapchat but no one really knows it just because i want to see what's going on out there um i have great one, choice yeah i've made i've done one tiktok with a group of students and that's it um that's all you need yeah i mean tim I'm, hangs out on that tim hangs out on that fyp page on yeah. the fy page sorry for you page oops I just an ATM machine. ATM machine, pin number. <laughs> My password and pin are, yeah, I'll put those in the chat for you so you can just, you know, get some money later or something. Oh, yeah, thanks. Well, thanks again Thank for joining us. No problem. Thank you all. This is a lot of fun. I look forward to watching the whole series. And are you watching and listening? Or so we're recording audio and video or just audio? We're just listening. Okay. Just listening. And I look forward to listening to the entire series. Woo! All right, thank you so much. Today we welcome Jonathan Tunmore to our podcast. Jonathan currently serves as the Assistant Director of New Student and Family Programs at the University of Florida. He holds a bachelor's degree from Baylor University and a master's degree from Abilene Christian University. A very, I say very proud Texan, Jonathan has also worked at Brookhaven College and Sam Houston State University. He loves Whataburger and is a true Potterhead. He also serves as the Graduate Student Network Co-Chair for NODA and will soon transition roles and serve as the Associate Director for Family Programs at Virginia Tech University. But of course, most notably, Jonathan is a very close friend of mine. So welcome, Jonathan. Woo! Thanks, Erica. Woo -woo -woo. Welcome, We're welcome. Thrilled to have you. Happy to have yeah. you. Nice to meet you and put some faces to names. Yeah, it's great to meet you too. Erica talks about you all the time. Most of it's okay, positive. Well, Erica definitely talks about you too. Erica only talks positive about you when she's not in front of you. 
that's my mo truly is yeah. to be yeah. very positive in private but very chastising in public you got the you got the support you got the challenge and the support you got the challenge in person you get the support everywhere else <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Erica don't try me like that though. So because the thing ah! is, Agassi, you'll you'll push back on me. Jonathan will read me for filth, which is what that I think is, you need in front tours. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's interesting though because one time Erica was giving a uh, a strings presentation and she was like, Jonathan just really uses his individualization to attack me, and I was <laughs> like, excuse me. It's a fact, everyone. I also. I also have individualization, and I never thought of it that way. That's a really good one. Well, I because things, you both do this. For anyone who's listening, <laughs> strengths is very important to me. You'll say something that you see so readily in other people that they haven't noticed. So you're just like, this is common knowledge, right? Like, Erica, you don't process your feelings appropriately because X, Y, or Z, and it's <laughs> news to me. And so then I'm going to start crying. So I don't understand how that's not normal. <laughs> It's all, we all have different strengths is what I'll say. Wow. Great, great, great conclusion to that one. Yes, truly. Um, so Jonathan, we sent you kind of a question, um, the ability for you to, you know, share your story of what has been your best student moment of your career. So tell us more. Yeah, so I kind of marinated on this and I was just like, what would I talk about? Because like, do students even like me? We don't know. But I would say that it was like, really kind of hard to come up with one moment, but I think that the moment I'm gonna talk about is pretty cool. Um, so just to kind of get into it, I, um, when I was working at Sam Houston State, I came, um, this is uh, about my, this is my second year there, and um, we are going through our team selection process. So we do that um, around like September or August, and we are doing interviews and we're in our, um, second round no we're in our first round interviews yeah so we're in our first round of interviews and a student had i think missed their appointment and like overslept and so they were rescheduled and this was our last interview we're doing and so i'm like okay cool like i'll, I'll volunteer for this one like our students are not as many of them are as available so i'll like jump in and, and kind of do this interview and so the student walks in and this interview um was I can say confidently one of the most interesting interviews I've ever been in. Um, so we ask all our questions and the student is just so dry. I mean, we're like trying to get him to give us more um, and we're just, we're just not getting anywhere. Um, and so I, I think one of our questions was, is like, what is one of your strengths? Like, what do you bring to the team? And the student literally shrugs and goes, well, I guess I'm funny. And I was just like, that's it? Like, that's all you're gonna give us? Um, and so we're like, okay. Um, and so this whole time, like, I just really enjoy dry humor. And so um, this uh, the student walks out and we're like, because you're the last one, we're having them fill out the true colors assessment. And we're like, you know, just step out of the room, fill out the true colors assessment and then come back in um, and we'll take it with us right now. And so he walks out of the room and as you do in all interviews, you talk about them after they leave. And so we're discussing this student and no one else is just really loving him. And I'm like, y'all, I was on the verge of tears this entire interview. He is so funny and no one is understanding this. And I was like, all right, you know, like I'm gonna defer to whatever everybody else wants, like for the good of the team, it'll be fine. So the student comes back in with their strengths assessment 
and he's or with their true college assessment and he hands it to me and I look at it and I'm like he's like yeah I'm sorry I got confused I just I, I didn't really understand the instructions okay bye and just like runs out of the room well I look back down at the paper and he's essentially written calculus on the page and I'm like the true colors assessment is really just you're adding up one one through four. It's not that challenging. I don't know what had happened. And so this was so funny to me. I was like, it doesn't matter what anyone says. He is going to the next round of interviews. Uh, and so they were like, all right, Jonathan, if he does something weird, you're responsible. And I'm like, that's fine. So we get to round two interviews and the the student um, is like, we're, our, our current orientation leaders are kind of observing and making sure that they can work well in teams and it's things are going well. Um, and so luckily some other students kind of saw that um, he was like being really intentional and saying different things. And so it was really cool. And so somebody else was like, okay, I could see it. Um, so it's, I, my rule is if I got a couple, if I got at least three more people to like agree that he was okay, I was like, yeah, we're gonna put him on the team. So we get to the night where we're selecting the team um, and people are still like on the fence and I'm, they're like, um, Erica's described to me that like um, in an organization she was here in at here, she'd be like, I would give up my name tag for this person. Um, so essentially that, I was like, nope, this is gonna be my person, we're selecting him. Um, it also, did help that the students played on the Quidditch team. So I may have been like, yes, Potterhead, love him. So we select the student, we go to um, our orientation team retreat um, in the spring semester and the student just like continues this very like dry humor. Um, but we do this thing that all people do at, at a retreat where you kind of get really emotional. You get the students to kind of show, share some of their stories. Um, and so the student kind of, I'm not, I'm gonna respect what he said, um, but, and not, and not share that. But what he did say was, um, you know, like I have an interesting relationship with my, my mother and my father um, and that will, and you know, and that's just like, kind of like part of my story. This student shared a lot less than other people, which we expected based on like what we'd seen previously. So we go throughout, we start our summer session uh, and he does a good job, right? He, he's a pretty average orientation leader. Um, no one, like he, he works hard. Um, he, his student groups like him. Um, we do a thing called, um, we did a thing called like uh, a spirit rally um, and he won because he convinced all of his students to do a Napoleon Dynamite dance, um, which like, you know, you wouldn't expect, but it worked and it was weird just like he was. And so I was like, yes, absolutely we're gonna you're gonna win right and so continued this um he would also he was also a student that like if you asked him to do anything or, or get engaged in anything he'd be like yeah absolutely i'll do that so hard worker we love that um so at the end of every summer we get to this uh this last meeting where um everybody kind of like summarizes their summer everybody gets a, a couple minutes to like give a speech per se uh and we're all kind of going through and uh I am sitting on like a, a, a stage and just kind of like swinging my legs, listening to everybody's stories, not particularly emotional, uh, even though like people are obviously saying like nice things and thanking you and all of that. Um, and so we get to the student, and I'm like, oh, he's not gonna say anything, right? Like that's just not his style. Um, and so we get to this point where he's like, all right, it's my turn, I'm ready to go. And he, 
is talking and he goes, well, he was like, you know, like obviously the summer's been fun. I've really had a good opportunity. Um, and one of the things that our students always used to like to ask us is like, why, like what, what was my interview like? Like, what was the story? Why did, you know, why did y'all choose me? Um, and I think with this particular student, I was like, honestly, I appreciated like your dry sense of humor. And then, you know, like a couple other people like noticed this, like noticed your um, like kind of care for students and different things like that. Um, and so he starts, he continues to talk and he's like, you know, I want to thank the director and the assistant director. Um, and then he goes, Jonathan, I just want to thank you so much. He was like, because I think that above anyone else, like, you really have believed in me and you have pushed me. Um, and he was like, and I just want to thank you for choosing me. He was like, in my whole life, like my dad never really chose me and he never really like cared for me. And he was like, and so this is just really important to me because, you know, I feel like you cared for me when no one else did and, and you allowed me to like grow and change and be a part of a team. And so I just really want to thank you. Um, so at this point, I have laid down on the stage and I am a puddle. I'm like, I, you know, nothing we do matters. This is not that important. But like this moment, I was like, if, if I didn't make that decision for any other reason, I made it for that moment, for that student to feel like someone believes in me um, and someone cares about me. Um, and that really, if somebody will just kind of like help our students and be willing to help them grow and, and, and like I said, invest in them, then uh, it makes all the difference in their life. So this is a student I still keep in contact with, um, even though I've left the institution, and so still somebody who's really close to my heart. I, I can't. I am a puddle. That was so sweet. Yeah, it was. It was hard when I was there. I was like, ooh, and then he just like ran out the door. His <laughs> very. <laughs> which, which I don't know this student well. That feels very on brand. <laughs> <laughs> Emotional vulnerability, <laughs> like right out the door. <laughs> I think I can go. deeply. I think I can deeply appreciate anyone that can convince an entire group of people. And I'm trying to think of the Ainge Rangers at this point to do the Napoleon Dynamite dance because, like, how, like, how, how far out are we for that to still be a relevant cultural, like, uh, like moment or reference? Oh, yeah. Because I feel like if I reference Napoleon Dynamite to some of the students I have now, they'd be like, "What? What is, what is exactly. that?" And I. I could so perfectly picture my first time watching that movie in like middle school. <laughs> what an icon. <laughs> right. It was not a good movie, but for some reason, we all loved it. Um, and how he got 25 students to do a dance really with him from that incredible. movie. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Clearly. What, um, what field is that student in now? Uh, so that student... Uh, graduates this year and oh. I don't know um they are I think you know they're trying to figure out how to uh get a job in this climate mm, aren't they all it's <laughs> yeah. funny I just feel like you've been here at UF for so long that I'm yeah. like the student must have graduated but really only two years in a month maybe exactly so the student was pretty young when you interacted with him then yeah so the student made the team as a freshman which I guess was also pretty rare um, right but, right. you know, stole my heart from the beginning. Honestly, just made me laugh, but it was fine. That's what Laughter's, I, that's, that's the way to get to you, though. Honestly, it's the most important thing in my life. Although I will say, I'm very funny. I think our, our listeners know that, Agassi knows that, and Jonathan doesn't believe I'm funny. It is interesting, because Erica always compliments herself that, like, I am so funny. And I I'm like, am I so think funny. it only counts if other people tell you that you're funny. <laughs> I make people laugh regularly. You know, I have, I have, you know, I, I don't want to say anything. I might, you know, 
you know, I might ruin a friendship here. Uh, I'm just going to say that I don't think Jonathan's wrong. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Two of my closest friends and friends <laughs> are now, who have just met, are now coming for me. And I feel... You haven't... You've never introduced Fred to different friend groups and then they start hanging out and talking more to each other and you're like, wait, what happened? I was the one who introduced <laughs> Yeah. But to be fair, Agassi, she, she has always said that we would be really good friends. She was like, but I don't want y'all to be friends. Ah, what? <laughs> Look at her. She's been kidding us. <laughs> yeah, I've been saying that. I just... At least she didn't tell you that. She, she didn't even say anything about friends. She's like, yeah, Jonathan's really cool, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no friendship. Yeah. She didn't even put it yeah. on the table. Oh yeah, she was like, no. She was like, yeah. she was like, I just feel like I would get roasted. It would be a rough time. We've been kind to you today. I don't know what you're talking about. We have been you very have, kind. You have been. Um, during the recording, I, during the recording. Yes, listeners, you did not hear the roasting that happened pre-recording. <laughs> I will say nothing else on the topic. Except that was a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing, Jonathan. Oh, you know, thanks for having me and asking me to talk about students. It's my favorite thing to do. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again. Um, and tune in next time for our next episode. So we're super excited for our guest to talk a little bit more. I'm Sarah Grace Walters. She's actually one of the amazing Sweet Baby Cherubs who I got to be meet at NPI 2018. Shout out, best NPI year. Amen. I guess he probably thinks a little differently than I do. Hey, listen, right now we're the last class standing because there's unfortunately no NPI this year. So, And if y'all have never heard of NPI. The New Professionals Institute. Uh, and normally we would have plugged their application. Uh, but unfortunately, as I just said, unfortunately, it's not happening this year. So be on the lookout for next year, all you new professionals in the Saxa region. Well, welcome, Sarah Grace Walters. Woo! Pew, pew, pew. Woo! Thank you. Oh, such a warm welcome. So appreciate you guys. Um, so I'm Sarah Grace. I work at Auburn University. I am the coordinator of Auburn Cares there. Um, pretty much anytime I tell someone that I work in Auburn Cares, they're like, oh, that sounds nice, but like, what does that mean? Um, and so my job is essentially to provide support to students in crisis. So yeah. That's a big job, especially now. So we're also sending you from six feet away, as Agassi said, lots of positive vibes. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. Yeah, it's been um, tough for sure for a lot of our students. Um, I know this is like a really uncertain time. And so it's created a lot of like inequities and just different issues and really pointed out um, some death, you know, just some ongoing issues that we have. And so it's been tough, but also good. Well, certainly thanks for all that you do. We are so, so, so appreciative and I'm sure your students are too. So we asked you earlier, so we'll ask you to share now, uh, kind of what has been your best student moment of your career? Yeah, so I can think of um, two in particular that were like super impactful for me. So one was with a student that I had been working with um, for quite some time. Her dad had been like really significantly ill um, and so she was trying to travel like back, back and forth to go back um, home from Auburn, which was about like two hours away. And so she would go home like pretty regularly to visit him in the hospital and check on him and just be with her family. Um, and then he got placed in hospice care. Um, 
and ended up passing away. But through all of that, um, you know, she and I were like checking in almost every day um, just to kind of have a support person. And, you know, I helped kind of like navigate some of the like policies and her missing class and things like that, um, which was, you know, difficult, but I think it was just nice for her to have someone to talk to. Um, through all of that, I had actually never like laid eyes on her. Um, we had fully been communicating via phone and via email. Um, and, you know, but like I said, I was literally talking to her like every day for like several weeks. Um, and then one day um, I was sitting in my office and my admin had just gotten up and gone out of the office and a student came in and I like hopped up to like sneak like peep my head out of the door, you know, and be like, Hey, how can I help you? Um, and I guess that she saw my nameplate and she just said, Hey, you know, I'm so-and-so. And I just immediately was like, Oh my gosh. And she just like ran up to me and hugged me and just started crying. And she was like, thank you so much for like everything that you have done. This is like, you have no idea, like how helpful you've been to me and my family. And like, this really meant so much to me. And like, y'all, I had never laid eyes on this girl and I truly felt like I knew her, you know? And that was like, like she was one of my closest friends at that point or something, you know? I had been part of her life during such a like tragic and serious time for her. And the fact that she literally like figured out where my office was, which is in like a kind of sneaky corner of our building that people usually can't find. And she sought me out literally just to come give me a hug. She was like, I just wanted to come by and tell you thank you and give you a hug. The sweetest. Um, I think about her a lot because she was just so, so kind. Um, another sweet, sweet story that I will tell you about um, is um, about two years ago, we had um, two students who were injured like pretty significantly while actually working on um, like a field assignment for one of their geology classes here at Auburn. Um, they were hit by a car who ran off the road. Um, so it was like really overwhelming, really traumatic. Um, and they were both in the ICU for quite some time. Um, one of the students did end up passing away and the other one had to go into like significant rehab for, I don't know, probably like nine months and he had to relearn to walk. Um, and he came back to school this last fall and I saw him on campus one day, just walking, literally just walking to class, wearing his backpack, being a normal student and I lost it. I just started sobbing, like openly sobbing, walking down like our big, concourse on campus and I didn't even work directly with him my supervisor worked with him but I knew who he was and I had met him and his family um, and they were just some of the kindest people but to just watch like I feel like that was watching like a living breathing miracle to watch someone who had truly been like run over by a car and relearn to walk and he's just back on campus living his life doing the things um it was just amazing to see and to see like how I was such a, you know, how my office could be such a small part of his story um, was just really, really cool.
I wish someone could see our faces. No, I'm so glad no one can see our faces because I was definitely kind of crying over here by myself. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. I didn't make you cry. No, don't apologize. Those were no, beautiful. That was beautiful. Please don't apologize. I was like, my glasses started kind of like steaming up a little because I was like holding back the tears. Um, well, thank you, Sarah Grace, so much for sharing that. Um, and that was, those are some beautiful moments. I, I can't help but think that, you know, right now a lot of people are kind of off and a lot of people feel really alone. And I feel like your first story really reminded me that sometimes what we need most in our lives is just people to listen to us. Um, we don't always need people to take action. We don't always need people to give us, do things for us. We just need someone who says, hey, how are you? And that can sometimes make a world of difference. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that story. You got me crying in the club right now. <laughs> so thank you so much. Those were really fantastic. And I think a testament to resiliency in so many ways. And I think we all needed this little bit of positive um, energy. And I hope that you like send this to your students, those two students. Like, hi, you had a strong impact, which is just so sweet. They sure did. They're both amazing people and have really persevered through a lot and are just continuing to be amazing. Wow. So that's our micro episode, y'all, or our, our the first five years micro moments presented by Saxa. As always, thanks to Miles for producing, our, our fantastic producer. If you want any more information about Saxa, that's the Southern Association for College Student Affairs on the various social medias. Um, you can find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Saxa fan page, on Twitter at Saxa tweets, or on Instagram at Saxa grams very branded social media. Um, you can also connect with us on Twitter. Um, uh, if Erica, you want to share your handle? Yeah, I'm at Erica M underscore Aguiar. I know my last name is confusing. It's A-G-U-I-A-R. And actually, I just started watching all the Marvel films. I've never seen them. So that's most of the content you're going to get this time. Um, what about you, Agassi? You can follow me at Saxa underscore. <laughs> wow, not at Saxa wrong Twitter, at Agassi underscore R. That's me. That me. Um, again, you can find some higher ed and some not higher ed related content. Uh, but follow me on the Twitter. Sarah Grace, any social media you want to plug? Yeah, you guys can follow me on literally anything. All my um, handles are at SGW rocks. Um, apparently, I think I'm really cool. Uh, most <laughs> so of we. my content is... Um, Pictures of my cats. I have two cats, a white cat and a black cat. And I will be bringing home a corgi puppy in a few weeks. So look forward to lots of photos of him too. Um, so if you're interested in that content, definitely give me a follow. What are the names of the animals? The public one. Okay, so these are great questions. So Chex is um, my black cat. Cadbury is the white cat because she looks like the Cadbury bunny. Adorable. And then Pat is the name of the puppy. Because his feet will pitter-patter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love corgis so much. <laughs> Anywho. Thanks, ag <laughs> Sorry. Thanks again, Sarah Grace. Um, and we'll see you all again for another Saxa little mini-sode. Thanks, y'all. Micro moments. Bye. Thanks for having me.